Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Would you describe yourself as a person full of hope? Maybe at this point in your life, you have no hope, which is a very hard place to be. Perhaps like most people, you could use a little more hope. However, you may already have it and not know it. In the Bible, hope is the certainty that God provides for His people. Today we begin our last message in our series, Venturing into the Unknown. In Genesis chapter 25, Abraham is getting ready to go home to meet God, and he must trust that God will still fulfill all of the promises he made to him. Today is part one in Pastor Jim's message, Hope Never Dies. Well, in my recent experience, I guess I'd have to say more in the last year than ever before, I cannot tell you how many people have opened up sentences with these words, I hope, dot, 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 or I hope so. You know, you say something and they're like, well, I hope so. It, it seems to me that in, in, for most people, the, the word hope has become a word of doubt, uh, perhaps even a word of desperation, Something we kind of, people kind of say when there's nothing else that can be done. Well, I hope so, or uh, we can only hope. We have an expression, and I've actually stolen the expression and used it as the title of our message today, and the expression is, hope never dies. Now, basically, that means that as long as there is life, there is hope. But people die. Bible talks about death a lot. Sometimes people are like, Pastor Jim, why do you talk about death so much? Because the Bible talks about death uh, quite a bit because the people in the Bible, they, they die. And I realize that today, some of you that are here, some of you that are watching online or other places in the building, you may be here and you don't have much hope. Some of you say, I would even be happy to have even a little bit of hope. I have, I have no hope at all. And today, as we close our series, Venturing into the Unknown, a study in the life of Abraham, we want to contrast the world's idea of hope, kind of maybe, with what is biblical hope. In the scriptures, hope is a very powerful word. Hope is confidence that is based in God that we are confident in his plans. We are confident in his purposes. We are confident in his power and in his person. That doesn't mean there's gonna be times in our lives when we don't feel desperate. That doesn't mean there's not gonna be times in our lives when we don't have doubts. But biblical hope has no doubt attached to it. So when we have those doubts, we've just left our biblical hope for a bit, and sometimes we just come to our senses, right? As we often say around here, sometimes we need to remember to preach to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. I don't know about you, sometimes I'm, I'm driving along and my mind is going down this thing and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not true, not true, not true. And then I start rehearsing the scriptures to myself and so when that happens, hope never dies. So let's go back for the last time, 4,000 years ago, 
to Father Abraham, the man considered to be the father of the nation of Israel. Eventually, 2,000 years later through his line, his family will be the, the, the father to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we really get into it, I want to just point out something in Genesis 25, verse 1. It says, Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. Keturah. She sounds cute, doesn't she? Keturah. (laughs) Now, it's quite possible, and probably more than likely, that he took her as a wife while his wife Sarah was still alive. And we've talked about that before. We talked about that with with Hagar. And we said that that's not God's plans for marriage, but it was culturally acceptable. Now, if something is culturally acceptable, does that make it okay? If something is legal, does that make it okay? Remember that as something has just become legal in our state now here in New Jersey. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question. Do we, do you, do I ever let culture guide our ways? Now, I didn't say, should we let culture guide our ways? I asked, do we ever, it's real honesty, do we ever let culture guide our ways? If you said no, I would encourage you today on this beautiful, beautiful, warm spring day, been a long time since I've been able to say that. To maybe go for a walk and ask God to search your heart. That maybe are you, maybe am I more conformed to the culture than we actually think that we are. Don't be dishonest with yourself. You say, well, how can I know? Well, Look at your checkbook, or if you don't know what that is, look at your online banking. (laughs) Look at your internet searches. Look at what you've been viewing on the internet. Look at how you spend your time. Keturah is probably what the scripture calls a concubine. In verse 6, it's going to mention concubines. And in verse Chronicles chapter 1, verse 32, she's called Abraham's concubine. What is that? It says here it's a wife. A concubine is sort of a not a full status wife. Sarah was his real wife. You think, well, that's just terrible. That's just ancient biblical times. They got to get it together. Did you see what happened in Cambridge, Massachusetts last week? They became the second city in the United States of America, and the first one is right next door, to allow a marriage to be, consist of three or more people. Why are we doing Daniel next? Get ready. Put your seatbelt on. It's coming, and it's coming fast. And we, as the people of God, we need to be able to know how to discuss some of these issues with people. The idea is not to be right. The idea is to show them the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's get into our study. If you're taking notes, uh, three points. Number one, hope for those who can't see it. Hope for those who can't see it. See, that's the problem with hope, isn't it? 
We don't have hope because we can't see it. Let's go back to verse one and forget about concubines for a minute. Abraham again took a wife and her name was Keturah and she bore him, and check out the names of these kids, Zimron, Jokshan, Medan, Midian. Now Midian's very famous. Uh, the Midianites, you, you might be familiar, they will be the people who sell Joseph into to, to Potiphar. Ishbak and Shua. What, what a terrible name for a kid, Shua. It's like what you say to your dog, Shua. <laughs> you know, every time a kid comes to you, Shua, you know, or, you know, you, you believe the kid, which kid? Shua, you know, I'm just terrible names. Jackson begot Sheba and Dedan, the sons of Dedan were, that's a bad name, Ashurim and Letashim, Listen, it's not easy to do these names early in the morning, even though I've been up since 4.30. Leoman, I mean, just be careful in how you name your kids, please. <laughs> and the sons of Midian were, and these are Abraham's grandchildren, Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abadah, and Eldaha. All these were the children of Keturah. Now, let's be honest for a second. If you are a follower of Jesus, first off, let me just stop for a second. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you are most welcome here. I'm so glad that you're here, that you're watching online. You are my honored guests here today. You are our honored guests. We are here to serve you, to help you in any way that we can. And so, and so but if you're a follower of Jesus, let's be honest. There are times when you will say to yourself, is this all worth it? Is this all worth it? I mean, I've told you many times before, you know, those of you who don't know me, I own a couple companies and, you know, I'm, I'm driving home sometimes and, and the devil's whispering in my ear, you know, you really don't need this. And I'm like, I know, shut up, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, because, not because people are difficult, but because it's just the, being a pastor is a very heartbreaking thing. You just hear heartbreaking stuff continually. And, and so sometimes you might want to ask yourself, is it worth all the sacrifice and, and all the pain of being a follower of Jesus? And notice, I assume that you experience some sacrifice and some pain in following Jesus. In fact, I'm more concerned for you if you say you're a follower of Jesus and you don't experience any sacrifice or pain. That's really not a good sign. Now, some of you say, but Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim, we have the promises of of God. I, I have a little book called The Promises of God. And if my memory serves me correctly, Pastor Jim, you're the guy who gave it to me. What about the promises of God? Yes, we have the great promises of God. And while these are lots of kids that Abraham has and and grandkids, it is certainly not the vast number of descendants that God promised to Abraham. You see, We've been talking about this kind of stuff over and over again, but it always bears repeating. The truth of the matter is this, is that that God's promises don't really tend to come with start dates. And his trials don't tend to come with finish dates. 
They're, they're sort of open-ended. Do you ever do anything that's open-ended? Right? You know, like you, maybe you fly somewhere and, and you say, I fly and I have an open-ended ticket on the way home. I can come home whenever, whenever I want. God's promises are very open-ended. And um, there's, there's no guarantee in those promises either that they will be fulfilled in this life. When we get to verse 8, Abraham is going to die and he has to die the same way that God called him the same way that God called us to live in faith and trust. As a follower of Jesus, we are called to live our lives in faith and trust, and we are called to die in faith and trust in our King. Well, what will happen to his son Isaac, the child of the promise? We don't know. Abraham doesn't know. Now you say, I know, I've read the, read the middle of the book of Genesis. I know what happens to him. Okay, but does Abraham know? No, he, he doesn't know. So Abraham and all of us must die with hope, not worldly hope, with certainty of the hope of God and his promises. Verse 5 and 6 says, And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Remember that he's the son of the promise uh, to Abraham and Sarah. He's their only child. They waited years for him. If you don't know the story, you'll have to go back to our previous studies. They're on, the, uh, on our website and on the internet. Uh, but Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines. There's probably Keturah. Notice it's plural which Abraham had, and while he was still living, he sent them eastward away from his son, uh, away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. Now, God had said back in Genesis 21, 12, that the promise would come through Isaac. In other words, the family line of Abraham would continue through Isaac. The promise of the promised land, Canaan, where they are now, would come through the family line of Isaac. But let's go back 4,000 years ago. Were any of you there? Some of you are older than me. Were any of you there? Just checking, just checking. None of you look that old, don't worry. (laughs) And people didn't, you know, they died of diseases, wars, attacks. Rich guy, subject to, you know, could be attacked at any time. What if Isaac dies? Imagine you're Abraham, you're thinking, I got, the, I got the promise. And you're thinking, what if Isaac dies? You might want to keep some of the other kids around, right? But what does he do? He sends them all away. It would make sense to keep others around. But do you notice what Abraham has stopped doing? Abraham has stopped helping God out. Remember we talked about that? That's a big step in our faith. When we figure, you know, God doesn't really need our help. And every time I try to help God, you know, people say to me, well, we tried to help God. I go, oh, how's that going for you? Like, oh, not too good, Pastor Jim, not too good. And they're like, you know, does that ever happen to you? I'm like, no, never. I'm a pastor. All the time. All the time, less than it used to, that's for sure, only because I've learned my lesson. Now, it could be that Keturah was a Canaanite. We don't know. 
It could be that her sons had really fallen under the sway of the Canaanites where they live. Remember, we said that they are pagans and, and Abraham wants to protect Isaac from their influence. So how did he get there? How did he get from wanting to help God? Remember that he had a a child with another woman by the name of Hagar because him and his wife couldn't have a son. And so they tried to help God out there and that that didn't go so well. And he lied about his saying his wife was his sister when, when they were in another place. That didn't go so well. How did he get there? I think it happened in Genesis 22. Far, a long way into his life. So if you're frustrated with your Christian walk and you're like, man, I'm just not where I need to be, God is very patient. And nothing could happen really till Genesis 22 when Abraham took his son, his only son whom he loved and was willing to offer all he had to God. And some of you might be wondering, well, how do I get to that place in my Christian walk. And I'd love to tell you it's something that you can do on your own, but it's really not something you can. It's a response to one thing. It's to really internalizing the fact that when Jesus died on that cross, that should have been you. That should have been me. When I realize that he gave everything he had for me so I could have my sins forgiven, so I could go to heaven, I could be adopted by God. We'll talk about that in a bit. When he did that all for me and I put my trust in him, the natural response is you gave it all for me. I give all of me to you. And that will change you like that will change you in an instant. You'll never be the same. And you will constantly, constantly, constantly be coming back to that moment. Before we go any further in this hope for those who can't see it, Genesis 15, 15, God said to Abraham, now as for you, so we're going back a whole bunch of chapters, 10 chapters, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. That was a promise made many years ago, but notice God didn't say in between now and the point in time when that promise is fulfilled, your life is gonna be so easy. You're not going to have any pain. You're not going to have any trouble. No, he never said that. There's a verse we come back to continuously because I just think it's so appropriate for us. We move ahead 2,000 years from Abraham. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross. He's rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. The apostle Paul and Barnabas are going out. They're starting churches. There's all kinds of adversity. And after they, you watch the maps. If you got the maps in the back of your Bible, you need to use them. You need to watch the journeys. And what they did was they would go out starting churches and then they would come back and they would be seeing how the churches would be doing. The apostle Paul and Barnabas coming back in Acts chapter 14, they're visiting the churches and they're teaching them and they are encouraging them. And listen to what they say, Acts 14, 22. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples and the disciples are simply the learners and followers of Jesus. Now, in our age, it's the super Christians. That's not biblical. 
If, you, if you're learning about Jesus, if you're following Jesus, you are a disciple of Jesus. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting, some versions say encouraging, them to continue in the faith. Some versions say remain true in the faith. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Are you committed to that? No matter what, no matter what, are you committed to continuing in the faith? And saying, we must through many tribulations, some versions say hardships, enter the kingdom of God. God isn't, in fact, not saying, guaranteeing it's going to be easy. He's telling you it's not going to be easy. The Holman Christian Standard Bible puts it this way. They translate it this way. It is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. Loved ones, it is so important we all hear that. It is so important we all hear that. You see, because sometimes we default to bad theology, thinking that, we're only suffering because God is displeased with us. If somebody asked you if that's true, you would say no, but inside our hearts, we do default to that kind of thinking, don't we? But let me, let me tell you something that you know is true, but maybe some of you have not seen this. You see, trouble comes our way as we cry out to God, draws Jesus to us, not away from us. You know, a lot of times when people are in trouble, what do you do? You say, oh, here they come. You walk the other way. <laughs> you don't want to be involved. But, but remember, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago from the book of Hebrews, Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. So when you're in trouble and when you cry out to him, he runs to you, not from you. Verse seven, this is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years. Remember, they lived a lot longer back then. The, the gene pool was not as corrupted as, one that, as it is now, but, but the lives will start getting less not Isaac, but then after that, they start getting less. So he lived 100 years in Canaan. He was 75 when he got there. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the field of Ephron, the sons of Zohar the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, there Abraham was buried and Sarah, his wife. We had covered this already. So Abraham's offspring are spreading out like the Lord said. They're becoming more numerous while Isaac stays in the promised land, which will belong to the people of God. God kept his word. Remember Genesis 15, he said, you will be buried at a good old age despite all the troubles. God kept his word to him. And now in his old age, he seems to be content and at peace. Isaac is married and it's quite possible. We talked about that last week. It's quite possible that 
he got to meet some of Isaac's children. In fact, verses 12 through 18 lists his son Ishmael's family, more grandkids and Keturah's too, plus we know that they have the cave in the promised land, which was the start of the, of the land promise. So the things are in motion. Verse 9 says that his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Now we know they did not part on good terms. So for now, it, it's possible they buried their differences to bury their father. And no doubt, the differences between them broke their father's heart. Those of you who are parents know that that one of the most discouraging things in the world is when your children fight. When your children fight. And when they, they they can't stand each other. No, no, families are supposed to be, you know, stick close together. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.